Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Bright Lights, Big City, we explore the intersection between real estate and New York City. Today's guest is Ed Freiberg, a 15-year New York City real estate professional currently with Compass. Previously, Ed enjoyed a career as a television producer for an acclaimed UK production company, creating, writing, and producing programs aired on the BBC, ITV, and Channel 4 UK. He also had a stint in the world of nightlife, event planning, and restaurants. Ed, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Ed. Thanks, guys. Uh, great to be here. Ed, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, uh, like you said, I, I've been in real estate for 15 years, but I'm a born and bred New Yorker. Uh, so I've been here more than 15 years and sort of seen everything that's gone on. And, you know, over the past year and a half, it's given me a, a good um, uh, roadmap to how, you know, New York uh, recovery will happen. Uh, so, which is something I like talking about to everyone who will listen, which is not everyone. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I love selling uh, real estate and I live in, uh, in Brooklyn right now with my wife, who's expecting a child, any literal minute, which might happen during this podcast, which would be fun. And, uh, and our little son. Nice. Nice. Well, we were looking for listeners. So if you can pop one out, we could use <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, so, so, uh, so tell us, Ed, how did you get into real estate coming agent in New York city? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, about 15 years ago, I was, um, I, I had owned a restaurant in the Lower East Side, and uh, as uh, as it happens a lot in restaurants, I had a, a business partner that stole money from me, which is a common uh, common thread. So I was getting out of that, but I was I was working in nightlife. I knew a lot of people, and one of my good friends in the business was like, you know, you'd be great at real estate. It, this was two thousand six, two thousand seven. The market was booming, so uh, I was like, yeah, let me let me do this. So I jumped in late two thousand seven. Uh, which was great because the market was about to uh, crash. So uh, it was a it was a not the most brilliant time to to join. But but I said to myself, if I can get through this part and get through this really hard time, uh, then I know I have a career here and I can I can move forward. It's probably a great uh, great learning curve. It probably forced you to you know, they basically threw you into the water and said swim or sink because uh, when things get tough and people fall by the wayside, that's real opportunity. Um, New York City seems to be a special place when it comes to real estate. Why do you think that is? Um, you know, I think it's. I think real estate originally is is, is uh, defined by Manhattan, and you know, when you think about Manhattan, Manhattan's a island that's three miles long by eleven miles long, and most of the high end property is on about half of that or less. So you have, you know. However many amount of people who want to live in Manhattan, you know, 8, 10, 15 million people, and there's only a finite amount of land there. And it's a dynamic city. It's an incredible place to, you know, to, to, to start a career, to have a career, to build a family, to live, to experience every, every walk of life uh, internationally, nationally, ethnically, um, 
you know, every everything that you want in New York City. So everyone kind of, you know, as, as corny as it sounds, wants a piece of the pie. So real estate, you know, because there's a finite amount of it has actually, you know, be, become one of the most expensive um, commodities in the world in uh, New York State real estate. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, you're right. There's a finite amount of land, but there's also locations that matter most more than others. Uh, and, you know, as we know, location, location, location. When we look at Manhattan at one point in time, let's just say the Upper East Side was the best place to be. And then that changed a little bit. And now it went downtown and then it moved from 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 one part of downtown to the other. And so it seemed like there's this rotation of important locations in the city where people need to live. Are we is that still the case? Yes and no. I think um, I think it, it, each location is defined by, you know, sort of the neighborhood and, and, the, and the people that are there. I grew up in Grant Village and when I and I grew up in the 70s and when I was growing up there, you know, you know, you would never go to Bowery or east of the Bowery. Now Bowery is one of the hottest neighborhoods in the city. And so the city always expands, right? It always rotates and expands. You know, Upper West and Upper East Sides were so great because you had the park and that was such an incredible destination. But then when, you know, trains were able to, you know, put people all over the city and you you would you would get different areas that would be um that would become hot. And also, you know, you know, the 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 interesting thing about New York is that a lot of the neighborhoods that have always become hot and interesting have always become cool because of artists. Like Soho became really cool because of artists. And so they, you know, they started building cafes and restaurants and had parties and and everyone heard about it and became this cool spot. And then that built, you know, that built up to a certain gentrification and you know, raised prices and you have actually unique properties there because you have incredible lofts. And, you know, they used to have, they still do, it's called AIR, Artist Residency, and you would have certain laws there that only artists could buy these properties. Now they still exist, but artists can't afford those properties, so everyone gets a waiver. But it's, you know, it's just an interesting way that New York City has just built different, different areas are built in different ways. And usually it's, a lot of times, the cool areas that come in are, you know, poor people, artists who come in and actually build that neighborhood up, and then eventually they can't afford that area. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, yeah. And it's true that the, the neighborhoods change over time. Um, yeah, everybody says, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And when I lived in New York, I always thought the most amazing thing was, were the people because it draws people from every walk of life and for every industry. New York, except for maybe making movies, which even that New York does as well, whether anywhere from finance to fashion to food to art to dancing. Uh, to advertising, everybody wants to be in New York, and and in living there, you saw exactly what you said that neighborhoods it became too expensive not to develop a section of the city that was sitting there, right. and, you know, rusting away. So Soho became Chelsea, Chelsea became Lower East Side, Lower East Side became Tribeca, and uh, and I just and then Brooklyn emerged. I mean, tell us a little bit about the, how did Brooklyn come out of nowhere after decades and decades to be the hottest place in town. I think, uh, I mean, the Brooklyn story is really interesting because, you know, Brooklyn, you know, historically was always a place that you would go that was sort of the next step from Manhattan. If you couldn't afford Manhattan, you would go there to, um, you know, to, to get a bigger space or get a space that you could, that was livable and it was a nice place. And then there was sort of this emergence of culture from, you know, Brooklyn. Brooklyn became, you know, an adjective, a noun, a verb, you know, and it became a destination. 
And it, I mean, it, it, it has exploded over the last 15 years. I mean, there's always been expensive areas that were great areas. Like Brooklyn Heights was always a high end area because of proximity to Manhattan. It has, you know, it has beautiful brownstones, has beautiful architecture, very good schools. But it, a lot of parts of Brooklyn actually had very good schools. So more families started moving there. Williamsburg, you know, exploded into, you know, Williamsburg is, is exactly what I was talking about. It was like, that was artists, that was cool people who made this area cool. And then it just exploded with development. Um, and, you know, and, and now it's, you know, still is one of the hottest neighborhoods in, in New York. I have so many people that are looking in West Village or Williamsburg, which that never existed you know, over 10 years ago, uh, that they would look in both of these neighborhoods. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, and I don't see it going anywhere. I mean, and that's actually, you know, Brooklyn, I always say is like the first suburb during the whole pandemic. Brooklyn wasn't affected that much because it, you know, people were like, all right, well, you know, I want to leave Manhattan now. Brooklyn felt more normal. Uh, there were more families there. It doesn't have sort of the, and maybe I'm skipping a question here, but it didn't have like the, the sort of, um, uh the the higher and wealthy people that all have second homes so people stayed here uh so like in my neighborhood i live in greenpoint brooklyn walking around during the pandemic other than everyone wearing masks it felt really normal there were a lot of people here it felt vibrant it felt great i mean winter was rough but during the warm months it was fantastic it's funny that you mentioned that um i mean it's a difference between a market's hot and market being cool. I mean, I would say that Williamsburg at one point was cool, was and now it's hot, but not necessarily exactly. as cool anymore. Um, but you know, you mentioned earlier this concept, uh, this issue about you know living and the trains make the city a bit more accessible. I mean, there was a point where the property value was higher, closer to transportation. So if you were closer to a train, right, um, that would that's more advantageous. Uh, at the same time, if you were closer to a park like Central Park, um, that was that was more advantageous. And um, now that parks have expanded, now there's parks on the west side, there's parks on the east side. Um, there's a, there's a better quality of living for a lot of people in different places. Then it, it allows people to spread out a little bit more and live and live in places where they they were less likely to do so because of those reasons. And at the same time, you've also got expanded train systems and you've got better um, transportation in, in the form of, of Uber. Right. So now what that says is a lot of places in the city are more accessible and more attractive like Brooklyn, like Queens. Be, does that make does that reduce the the value or the the you know because from a supply and demand standpoint there's just more supply and more access to great places that perhaps makes it a negative downward pressure on the price of real estate no i i wouldn't say that i mean i think that you know you know i i i've never seen a client who says i'm looking for a name i'm looking for a story uh, I'm looking for, you know, Riverdale. I'm looking at, you know, West Village and I'm looking at Bed-Stuy. Like it's, people still, you know, stay sort of in their pockets of, of neighborhoods. So, you know, they're either looking in, you know, uh, you know, you know, there are some people are looking in parts of Manhattan and part, parts of Brooklyn, but there's, you, you won't find someone who's looking at the Upper East Side and Williamsburg. You know, you're not looking at, you know, Upper East Side and Bed-Stuy and uh, Bed or Park Slope. It's usually they stay sort of in similar areas. So I, you know, you, you would think that would be the case because, you know, 
the, the really beauty of the last 10, 20 years of New York is the, the amount of parks and green spaces we have in New York has really, really been uh, amazing. Um, you know, the Upper East Side, you, 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 that, that was the one place, I think like the, almost the last bastion, east, the east side of the Upper East Side was the one place you can get value um you know as compared to the rest of the city and that was because there was no subway and then they built the second avenue subway and now york avenue has more value because it's two blocks from a subway rather than you know walking four or five avenues which was tough but um but i don't think i i think people still have an idea of where they want to live uh and you know that may be based on all those factors but they don't they're not open to 17 different areas they're still they keep it to you know a few different places it also depends i guess on where you are in, in your statue of life stature exactly. of life exactly. and, and career i think um when i when i when i first got to new york and this was in 1989 uh like you said the upper east side was the place and there was a building on called normandy court that was in the low 90s <laughs> on the east Dorm, side Dorm. Dormandy Court. Dormandy like Court, every, where everybody coming out of college, that's where you went to live. It's like they're literally yeah. playing foosball in the corridors and stuff like that. <clears throat> and uh, and then and then of course as you get older, then maybe you can afford something more. Maybe you move someplace that's a little more expensive or a little more trendy. And then once you have a family, some people move out. If you're really wealthy and you can send your kids to the fifty thousand dollar year private school, you can stay in New York. But a lot of people they would either move to Brooklyn or move or move north of the city and and where they could afford a house and uh and, and and a yard and uh, and you'd have the next influx of young people constantly coming up below you taking on the responsibilities that you're abandoning um and we'll get into all COVID and how everything is changing that but that always felt like it was co a constantly moving dynamic it was a, the city was alive and neighborhoods were alive and thriving for different reasons and with different people do you agree with that absolutely i mean you know part of the reason that everyone loves new york city outside of the obvious of cultural stuff uh and and uh you know diversity of people is when you're in new york city it feels alive like there is a there's an energy there's a tingle about it and you know it has to do with these neighborhoods it has to do with all the people in it and there you know there's there you know there, there's there's a there's a tempo a pace that you know I, I don't think i you know i've traveled all over the world i haven't seen the same uh energy and feel in the rest of the world that there is in New York. And that's part of the reason why everyone thinks it's such a special place. So let's get down to the, the, the $800,000 question. I'm sorry. I'm talking about New York, the $8 million question. <laughs> exactly. right. That's cute. <laughs> so, it's uh, a bicycle stand. <laughs> so is it, is New York city ready uh, for people to come back? Is it, is it time? People are back. I mean, that's not, it's, it's not a question. There's, there is a, you know, I, I am a uh, unabashedly lover of New York. I always said I would, I would join an army to fight for New York before, before maybe the rest of the country. I, you know, my, my, you know, my parent, my, my, my mother's from Brooklyn, my father's from the Bronx. They met at NYU. I was born in Manhattan. I love New York city. I love it so much. And it's a, and I get it. It's a hard, hard place. And it was a, hard hard year year and a half year uh last year was really rough and i don't you know uh disperse dis, disperse uh i don't i don't uh begrudge anyone who left because it's hard um but i also knew it was going to come back 100 percent going to come back there's no way that people are going to not want to be in new york and it's because of 
the energy I was talking about because of this feel and it's always there and there's always a new blood that comes in. I mean, you know, I, I think that uh, every 10 years this happens in New York that I've been living here. Um, you know, there was the SNL crisis. Uh, there was the, uh, the dot-com bubble. There was September 11th. Um, you know, there was the financial meltdown and every year New York City is written off. It's over. There's articles. New York is dead. This time is different, blah, blah, blah. And it never is. It literally never is. I mean, it, sorry, sorry. It is different, but it doesn't mean it's bad. It's actually good. And I love it because it, it just gets out some of the old and, and brings in some of the new, which is beautiful. So give us uh, some some metrics so uh, so our listeners can understand when you, you said every 10 years, and that's so true. The COVID, the COVID drop, how bad was it in terms of pricing or transactions? Do you have any statistics so we can understand how how that compared to prior dips? Sure. I mean, I, I off the top of my head, I do not have uh, I do not have statistics, but we weren't we did not work real estate. There was no transactions. I mean, there was there were a few, but we stopped working in mid-March. We didn't start up until June 22nd and things were really slow. A lot of deals fell apart. There was almost no deal flow. Uh, it was very similar to what happened in 2008, which was there was very little deal flow. Um, and, and, I, and I knew that was gonna happen through the winter because all of the people who, were, who could leave uh, and, and didn't have to be in New York, why were you gonna be in New York City um, during the winter, during the cold weather. Uh, and, and I told everyone that could listen, that, that would listen to me, if you're going to buy, buy now, because if anyone has their property on last winter, it's going, it's going to be the bottom of the market because the spring is going to be, we're going to be closer to vaccines or have them. Things are going to start opening up. New York people are going to come back to New York city. The energy is going to be back. The spring market's going to be here. And there's gonna be all this pent up demand. Um, I, I know th this past quarter, you know, sale. You know, this quarter, quarter two compared to quarter, quarter two last year, uh, sales were up like a hundred percent. You know, the, the crazy numbers. But you know, it's 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 a tough it's a you know it's a tough measurement because literally nothing happened last year. But this spring, when it went bonkers, it, I mean, we thought that it would take a year to uh, to get rid of su supply, and it it's taken about three to six months. And supply is very, very low. Brooklyn always stayed very strong throughout the entire time. We thought, man, man, I thought it would be busy. I did not expect how busy it would be. And, you know, it was a combination of a few things. There was, there was um, you know, there was pent up demand. Uh, interest rates lo are low. Uh, people coming back to New York. Um, you know, so it was, it was actually a really, it was a, it was a, it was a nice uh, sort of conglomeration. Of, of events that came came together perfect storm you, yeah perfect storm and and the market just you know sort of blew open in, in manhattan i heard that the price drops allowed a lot of young people who never thought they could live in new york or certainly in their careers being young that they you know all they saw was the the last boom of the of the in 2014 2019 they never thought they could ever live in new york all of a sudden they saw opportunities and they jumped at it whether they were renting or buying well, that's really the rental market. And that really, that, that really happened. That was actually part of like, you know, if, if you walk around Manhattan right now, the energy, especially downtown is, 
incredible. It's literally the best energy I've ever felt in New York City. And that is definitely built by, by a, a new crop of young people who are going to define the city for themselves. And they were the ones that, you know, they were able to get rental rental apartments for prices they never would have thought. So it was actually, I knew a lot of people who were living in Brooklyn who moved back into Manhattan because they couldn't they can afford the Brooklyn apartments, but they could afford now Manhattan apartments that they couldn't afford before. And and it's it's amazing. Like I mean, I literally I go in for showings and I'll sit at, at like a cafe and just like feel the energy. It's it's it is really beautiful right now. And in all the things you've mentioned, you haven't even mentioned the fact that foreigners who are big buyers of higher end property they still can't even get into the country yet, can they? That's a whole that's pent up demand just waiting on the shores, so to speak. Absolutely, the whole rebound in New York City, and what we're seeing is it's New Yorkers who are buying. New Yorkers who are doubling down on property in New York City. They're the ones who are buying. I mean, we we just had in the luxury market, which is defined by properties four million dollars and above. Uh, we just had a I think it was a thirty six straight weeks. Thirty six straight weeks. Thirty six straight weeks that we had over thirty properties. Uh, go into contract $4 million and above. That's unprecedented. That's never happened before. This past week, we had 22 that went into contract. And that number, that number is a that's a solid number, especially for the middle of summer. But you know, so and, and but the buyers that we're all seeing are all New Yorkers. They're they're either empty nesters that are coming back because it's a perfect storm for them because they could sell their suburban home for you know double what they you know what they thought they could have sold it for two years ago, and now they can buy they can buy you know something in New York City that was that definitely has taken a hit, and they know that there are very few times in New York City that you get a dip in the market. That's when you buy in New York, and then and then you ride it out because New York's it's always going to go up because New York City it's not going anywhere. Yeah, you know you you make a really good point. You know I think that. It's not a bad thing that there aren't as many foreigners in New York City. As a matter of fact, it's great that New York is coming back to New York and there's New Yorkers yeah. in the city, which is fantastic. At the same time, you know, we talk about this, you know, COVID and the dips, whether or not, you know, there's several dips over the years. Uh, there, there always had been neighborhoods that were more affected than others, right? And, you know, I, when I think about 9-11, I think about downtown um, and Tribeca area where people were kind of fleeing. Um, and now when I think about COVID, I think about areas like the financial district. I feel areas like Hell's Kitchen where the theater districts. So, so areas where there were businesses and people living that were relying on in-person activities, uh, restaurants, um, theater, uh, working in offices, et cetera, um, were, were relatively, you know, these are areas that are, that are relatively quiet and or, um, you know, um, at a deficit. So are there areas that you could point to that have a bigger opportunity uh, than others in the city, like the, the more value potentially? Yeah, I, I think that Midtown, you know, because of what you said, I mean, you know, Midtown has felt like a, a Midtown specifically is from east to west has felt like a ghost town uh, for the last, you know, year and a half. And, you know, and look, you take away everyone that comes into, into the city to work in offices uh, that lives in the suburbs. You take away all of the tourists, although tourism has come back you know, fairly well. And once Broadway opens, that will be a huge surge of, of tourism. But, but that's and, tourists like from Jersey, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, my, my, my wife's on Broadway. That's tourists from everywhere. They love it. Um, but no, the, when you, you know, you just take you, I mean, you, I don't even know what the number is. You take away 
on a daily basis, probably millions and millions of people, a million, two million, three million, however many it is, it just, there's just no one there. So, uh, so, so, and the warts show, right? So, so you see more homeless people, you know, you, you just see, you know, you just see it being a little dirtier you because you're focused on on the negative things so those areas i think there is actual real opportunity i mean i had a client who who contacted me you know six eight or six eight months ago and she's like i want a four hundred thousand dollar apartment in on uh on the in in midtown and i was like well, she oh, didn't have that in 1912 <laughs> I, no but when she looked this was like last fall and i said i i don't think there's gonna be anything not not even look and then i looked and there was like a hundred properties it was crazy how many there were because those areas people were sort of leaving and the, you know people had pied-a-terres were getting rid of them because they weren't coming back and stuff like that so i think there's a real opportunity in there now Having said that, I, you know, I, I was out to drinks with a buddy of mine and he's like, well, what, you know, what's the up and coming Manhattan area? And I'm like, well, there isn't, that's over. Like there's no more up and coming Manhattan area They're They've all been from East to West. They're done. Like they're, you know, like it, you know, it's like, you just, they're all, they're all, you know, they're all kind of priced in. What about, what about the, what about the cloisters? No, that, that is not an area I know of, but it's supposedly beautiful. <laughs> My first girlfriend. As soon as the subway there, so. goes up there, that space is going to explode. Exactly, exactly, right. But you know, there's, it's, it's, you know, it's. Look, New York City has what, what we discussed. It's pushed out. I mean, I'm sorry, Manhattan has pushed out everywhere. So you know, the 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 opportunities are more in Brooklyn. I don't do Queens, but I know there's opportunity in Queens. Uh, so that's really where where it, Manhattan has pushed out is to the other boroughs. You know, it's funny, I, uh, uh, there's a movie out there called The King of Staten Island with um, uh, Davidson from Pete Davidson. Pete, Pete Davidson. Live. Love yeah, him. it was very funny. And uh, in one of the scenes, one of the, one of the actors in the movie is a huge fan of Staten Island. They're all from Staten Island. <clears throat> and she wants to turn Staten Island into the next cool place. She says, why can't it be like Brooklyn? We got parks. We got transportation. We got restaurants. But nobody comes here. I mean, as a serious question, is there any particular reason why Staten Island is somehow does not get that push. I mean, is is that not an opportunity? Is it too far away, or what's the deal there? Well, you forget they also have garbage. <laughs> well, <laughs> garbage <laughs> is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> one man's garbage is one man's. Yeah, I get it. But the smell, though, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I I um I'm like I'm stuttering. Uh, Staten Island is a culture on its own. It's like it is a complete different culture. I mean, there's literally gorgeous areas in Staten Island. There's a beach in Staten Island. There is also a garbage dump in Staten Island. Look, all the cool areas kind of get started. Like I said, artists and cool kids. I don't see it happening in Staten Island. Like they they have their own they have their own thing. They also voted to secede from New York City once, so maybe that has something to do with it. Well, that's that's that's, <laughs> that's probably their best moment. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, so I think that this is pretty awesome. And so when we think about, and I love your perspectives on the various different parts of the city. You know, I know for me, I would, you know, just sort of love to be able to get um, a place in the city. And I know that it's not easy, right? So now that it feels like everyone's coming back and, you know, it's, it's West Side Story all over again, literally, and people fighting on the streets for properties. Um, you know, and so... How how is the development market working? I mean, are people building uh, now more? Are we seeing more development happening? Or is it really people fighting over the same inventory that they did for the past 10, 15 years? 
No, there, there's def- I mean, there's definitely development happening. The developers have gotten beat up over the last four or five years because uh, you know from the market in New York City hit its high in 2016. After 2008, um, you know, the market started coming back probably around 2010, and then it really it really pushed for about five six years. And it was really based on low inventory because you had about three years where no new development was being built. So, uh, and then that finally caught up. And then around 2016 or so, it started to slow down. And 2019 was one of the worst years for real estate in New York City. It was a really slow, very tough year. New developments were having an extremely tough time uh, selling. They're, you know, they had, they had, you know, most developers, right? They they started three years earlier, so they're they're trying to predict pricing, but they didn't predict it coming down. So their their dollar per square foot was higher than where the market was, and also taxes, you know, real estate taxes really went up and really affected them. So you know, sort of a you know, it was a it was a, a, a unfortunate storm for them, uh, in in a wrong way. And then, and honestly, in New York City, we started feeling the market getting better the very beginning of 2020. Like I was having bidding wars, and then obviously COVID happened and everything fell apart. But, um, de- you know, developers were developing a lot. They were de- There was a lot of development happening, but they there was a lot of shadow inventory, and that still exists. There's still a decent amount of shadow inventory because a developer, if they have a 50-unit building, they're not putting 50 units on the market. They're putting four or five and those are the ones, but everything's available, but they're only, they're only releasing four or five. So there's still, you know, the de- developer's, They've caught up some because the spring was so strong, but there's still a decent amount of you know deals to be had and developments. Now they're all priced pretty high to begin with, but there is still value you can get there. When I think about the new developments or the recent developments in Manhattan, I think about Billionaires Row, the huge, yeah. huge skyscrapers on 57, yeah. which was an article today, I think, or yesterday in the Journal of the Post about how there's a lot of inventory. And then there was Hudson Yards, which was a beautiful, gorgeous development that was going to be part office, part residential. And I think as you talk about more development, I think that there's a still whole area there that's left to be developed. As you look forward now for the future, where do you see the next phase of growth from the development point of view? And and maybe from a migration point of view, as we think about the future of New York two three years out. A good question. It's a very tough question to answer because it's it. You know, I do some development, but that's not my main uh, my main uh, focus. I think that uh, I think developers are going to there's going to be less of the mega buildings. I think there's going to be a lot more boutique buildings, a lot more services. Um, you know there's going to be more people who are going to be doing some sort of hybrid of working at home or in the office. So I think, you know, the, the actual units are going to be very, very important of what you can do in the units. I think there's going to be more outdoor space because people are going to be craving outdoor space because people, that's what they're craving now. Um, I think home offices are going to be extremely important to developers. You know, we're seeing it everywhere that like, you know, used to have a, a two bedroom and a home office, and it was like the home office was a throwaway. Now that's super important to people to actually have a space where they can work, where they don't have to have their laptop and set up on their dining room table. So I think develop, developers always grab onto all these trends, and they will, they will, you know, I think they will, they will be very smart about the way that they lay out the apartment, which is, you know, which has always been very important. But now, you know, 
people have been inside their homes for so long that I think they see them in a different way. I mean, you know, my, my wife said, uh, to me and she, my wife's a Broadway performer. And she said, you know, when you get rid of in New York city, like all the, all the, the culture, the Broadway, the restaurants and everything, you strip it all down, you know, if you get rid of all that, then you're just living in a small box. So, you know, I think this small box has to be much more important and it has to be much more dynamic than it's ever been before. And developers, I think will, will really lean into that and make sure that, you know, that there are maybe filtration systems that, you know, air filtration systems in homes, more outdoor space, more cleverly designed spaces for, for offices. I think that'll be super, super important to, to the consumer. Well, look, I think that is the insight of the of the year. I mean, I, I, I love your perspective on the New York City real estate. I love your perspective on the future and the trends that are driving uh, the value in real estate, both across Manhattan, uh, um, Brooklyn, Queens, uh, and Staten Island. Um, uh, so I want to so want to thank you for your time. This has been an awesome session, um, an awesome uh, discovery, and we look forward to seeing um, you on the show in the near future and telling us uh, exactly how things turned out uh, as we close out the year. Uh, Ed, thank you for your time. Thank you, Ed, and good luck with the baby. Hope everything goes well. I'm sorry that uh, I couldn't boost ratings by having the baby during this uh, time, but uh, <laughs> but thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.